welcome to the Polygamer Podcast, where gaming is for everyone. Join us as we expand the boundaries of the gaming community. Hello and welcome to the Polygamer Podcast, episode number 55 for Wednesday, November 9th, 2016. I'm your host, Ken Gaggy, and today I am speaking with content creator on Twitch, Seriously Clara. Hello, Clara. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing well. You have successfully navigated the transition from daylight saving into standard time. Thank you. <laughs> and the reason I say thanks is because otherwise we'd be missing each other by an hour here or one of us would be late, the other would be early. Oh, what a mess. That's true. But we're here. We're here. We did it. We are. And most people are accustomed not just to hearing your voice like they are right now, but to actually seeing you on Twitch because you are a Twitch streamer of video games galore, correct? That's correct. Indie games. Specifically, exclusively indie games? Uh, yeah. As of the last year, I've done almost nothing else but indie games. I think all indie games. And lately, you've been playing Owlboy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the last game I streamed. Oh, I would so love to play that game, but it's for Windows only. No console, no handheld, and for me, no Mac. How is it? It's probably one of my, it's, it's definitely one of my favorite games this year, if not my favorite. And what is it that you love about it so much? Um, well, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous to look at, and it's wonderful to listen to. The soundtrack is fantastic. I, in fact, bought the soundtrack separately before the game released. Um, the characters are extremely charming. The mild, the, the twin stick controls, the free flight. It's kind of like, it's always been a thing that's drawn me into games. I loved games like Skies of Arcadia and just anything that's in the sky. And this one gave you free flight. Uh, it was also the perfect length for streaming. For me, it just took, you know, a couple of streams and then a little bit just to end it off. And uh, it, it, I always find find it difficult to find games like this that end at the right time. They just seem to go on forever. Ori in the Blind Forest is another good example of when a game like that should end appropriately. But the, the whole package was so well-defined and well-delivered that I, you just can't help but appreciate the nine years that went into making this game. It must be so gratifying for them to have worked for almost a decade on this game and to have it come out and get so many perfect scores. And you mentioned one of the things that I love about this game, even though I haven't played it, which is the soundtrack. I, too, bought the album by Jonathan Gear on Bandcamp. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it is just... Oh my gosh, just listening to this music, my heart just aches. I want to play this game. I want to live in that world. Yeah, definitely. I even gifted it to um, a few people just because it's it's so wonderful. I want to support this guy, and I know that they would love it. And you also mentioned one of my favorite RPGs of all time, Skies of Arcadia. Oh, yay! On Dreamcast <laughs> or on GameCube. Now, I had both of those consoles. Oh, wow. I never got to play the game until it came out on GameCube. That It's honestly the better edition. I, I hate to say it. I love the Dreamcast, but the GameCube version is better. Well, I heard it had some additional content, correct? Yes, and additional content and unlockables or, or what have you, yeah. Yeah, I just I loved that game. It was one of the most optimistic RPGs I've ever played. So many games nowadays are so dark and pessimistic, but this mm -hmm. game, it was just so likable. It, exactly. Vice, the main character, was just someone that drew you in, you know, like he I really don't like games that have the 13 year old that saves the world sort of thing. But this was one of those few games like Grandia and, and whatnot that despite that being a barrier to drawing me in for content and plot wise, you just fall in love with the vice and how, how very positive he is and, and hopeful he is in everything that he does, no matter what he goes through. So yeah, it's, it's very charming. I love that game so much. It's one of those games that I wish there wasn't just one of them. I wish that team would, get back together and bring out a sequel or a spiritual sequel at least mm -hmm. oh i trust me i actually played through it again with my boyfriend last the end of last year start of this year and we just chipped away at it got every discovery and everything it was it was a wonderful time now we're gonna go back and talk about how you got into twitch streaming but since we're talking about indie games i want to quickly ask you about the other side of the coin. I do indie videos on my YouTube channel, and I get people telling me that I would get so many more viewers if I would just play Call of Duty or Grand Theft Auto or Minecraft. And they're probably right. I probably would get more views because there's not a lot of organic search for indie games which don't have mm -hmm. a lot of marketing and word of mouth and buzz. So mm -hmm. how do you justify playing just indie games when you know that 
you might be missing out on a potentially much bigger audience. Well, it's funny because I first started playing or streaming video games, doing AAA titles, MMOs, and things that you know brought in viewers. Um, and then after I got partnered is when I decided to say, screw it all. Uh, I'm going to play what I want. And at the time, I was actually starting to feel like uh, AAA titles were getting more watered down. And it was just they were so far reaching and they kind of followed the same formula every single time because of how big they are and how much funding they get and all these stakeholders. It kind of dictates that it follows that formula to be successful. Um, and I got bored. So after I got partnered, I realized I can do whatever I want here. This is my platform. Why am I following a formula myself? And I I, because I'm, I have the luxury of being casual. I'm not a full-time streamer. I don't rely on it, you know, for my livelihood. I, I have the luxury of choosing what I want and viewership be damned, sort of thing. And uh, you're absolutely right. People tell me that all the time. If you were to stream League of Legends or God forbid, um, or Call of Duty and, and Minecraft, I would get a ton of viewers back to you know my glory days when I was streaming um, the AAA titles. But I just have so much more enjoyment with my little platform that I have, my little corner of the internet, and having a voice, however small it is, um, to support the underdogs. I've always supported underdogs in everything in my life, and I feel indie developers are as underdog as they get in the gaming industry. These are all passion projects of theirs. Dreaming is a passion project of mine. It just seemed to go hand in hand. And I get way more gratification um, giving feedback to a developer who will not only take your feedback, but hang out with you in, in the chat while you're playing their game. Um, that's that's absolutely huge. That I mean, Twitch is all about community, and, and this is a community that is just aching to be heard. The the underbelly, the, the indie devs are just, they don't have an organic search term for anything that they do, right? So I feel like I have a place in that, that I can help them in some way, and that's that's all the, the gratification I need. It also may make it easier for you to stand out because while there may be a million people playing Call of Duty, at any given time, there's a possibility you may be the only person on Twitch playing Owlboy. Absolutely, yeah. There's definitely that as well um, because the audience for indie games is growing. Um, and so they want content creators. They want to see videos. They want to see streams about the games that they're now interested in. And the top 1%, they're still streaming the AAA titles. So you do have a potential edge, but it honestly, it's not that much. <laughs> <laughs> not currently, no, absolutely not. Well, whatever you can do to justify it to yourself, as long as you're having fun. That's exactly it. Yeah. Love what you do. So let's start back at the beginning. I read the bio on your website, a link to which will be in the show notes at polygamer.net. And you said that for a while there, you quit playing games because grown-up things took over. <laughs> What brought you back to gaming? Mm, I want to say Guild Wars 2 at first. <laughs> um, but definitely streaming really pulled me back the hardest. I had just ended a long-term relationship at the time, so I PvP'd a lot just to keep me out of trouble since single life was always my jam. <laughs> um, then I started dabbling in other MMOs when Guild Wars 2 got stale, um, as they end up doing um wildstar arc age black desert even some wow which i'm really ashamed to say um <laughs> i also just always thought that i needed an mmo in my life to be happy it was just that phase i guess and then when that turned out to be untrue and i kind of discovered that every mmo that was out sucked in my opinion it was all kind of the same just a different flavor um i threw in like various AAA titles because i thought that's what i had to do when i was streaming that's what everybody else that you know when you click on browse the top 50 streamers are all playing like the same six or seven games so i thought oh that's what i have to do um but even just doing that, I started to fall back in love with gaming again um, and adding more variety, albeit AAA titles. It was still variety. Uh, I started to notice um, that this is where I wanted to be. Like, it just made sense. Why did I give this up? Uh, wh why would I have a baby when I have this? <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, why would I have kids? No, actually, um, growing up, I've never wanted kids, ever. And it was that was one of the big grown-up things that took over my life was that for the first time ever, 
my boyfriend at the time talked me into like we we're gonna have a baby together and I was like oh well I guess I guess th- that's what I'm doing now and when I when I focus on something I go full in so I was very much well my life has to change to facilitate this new life that I'll probably be bringing on board in the next few years um, and thankfully that ended so <laughs> I went back to doing what I love and following what's you know true to my heart and that is making Clara happy and video games makes Clara happy. Um, so after I, it's funny, like I mentioned before, after I got partnered, that's when I decided to say, you know, like screw the numbers, let's just play whatever I feel like. like. Let's explore, actually explore and play retro games that I grew up with. Let's let's look at the, the like indie games that no one's heard of. And that's where I've stayed to this day. And I, I don't think I'll ever leave gaming until my fingers fall off. Well, thank you for opening up about that surprisingly personal reason why you were away from gaming. I mean, I'm a big advocate for the child-free lifestyle, and I feel like it's something that women are expected to justify a lot more often than men are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And for, I, I've not been in a situation as perhaps as intense as what you described, but I too have been in that situation where there was a disconnect between what I wanted and what my partner wanted. And Mm -hmm. it's really challenging to navigate because you can't have half a kid. Exactly. Yep. And that's why I went full in and did all the research. And I felt like I was the most prepared person that I could ever be to be a parent. Unlike those it's (laughs) it's <laughs> this is probably going to sound strange but i felt i was more prepared than people who have been plan or assuming that they were going to have a kid all their lives because i was like wow this is a change and i'm going to be as you can never be ready you're never fully ready to have a kid but because i i was so intensely focused on it i was so prepared <laughs> Way more than my girlfriends who are like, well, I'm just going to have a kid. That's It's just what's going to happen, and things will just fall into place. Ugh. No, so, I, I totally yeah. get that. My partner and I were talking about adopting, and when we decided on that, I was the one who read The Complete Idiot's Guide to Adopting. I was the one mm-hmm. who set up the informational interview with the adoption agency. Mm-hmm. You know, Even though this was years off, I was the one who was getting ready today. Mm-hmm. That. Right. Same thing. When you commit yourself to something, you go all in. And, and if it's another life, you go all in. <laughs> yeah, even if you don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just because you hate it doesn't mean you're going to suck at it. Mm-hmm. That's wow. exactly it. <laughs> we went on a tangent there. <laughs> yeah, but it's an important one because this is a podcast about diversity and the child-free lifestyle is definitely in the minority. It's growing. I think from the 1970s to today, the number of women... Uh, married women in the United States has grown from 5% to 10%. But it's very much cultural because in Italy, it's 25%. Wow, I did not know that. Interesting. Yeah, it's definitely a result of society's expectations on women, I think. And that changes based on which society you're in. Mm -hmm. I should probably move to Italy. I would get less what I call (laughs) momvangelists. They're they're everywhere. Momvangelists are constantly saying, oh, you don't have a baby yet. (laughs) You're not a whole person until you have a baby. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm so sorry you've had to deal with that. I mean, I think it's a little bit easier for me as a guy to get away with it, but we, we should just both move to Italy and play video games. That's exactly it. Excellent. All right. Well, it's been great chatting with you. I'm glad we came to that conclusion. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so you came back into video games when you realized you didn't want to be responsible for another entity. And that followed shortly thereafter with your streaming debut, which were just shy of the three-year anniversary because you were, quote-unquote, tricked into streaming in December 2013. <laughs> the, the story of how that happened is on your blog. I won't have you repeat it. But you did say on your blog that at first you hated streaming. So what changed? Um, yes, I, I really, really, really did hate it. Um, I, I thought like, this is the weirdest thing. Why would anybody watch this? I cannot stop babbling. And it's just about nonsense. This is ridiculous. I can't even comment. I was PVPing at the time. So I thought, you know, I'm supposed to be sharing 
the you know skills and things like that and what you're supposed to do but i can't even do that because i'm playing the game you guys keep talking at me stop talking at me (laughs) um and i did it really infrequently like i'm talking that's why i say that i've only been streaming for two and a half years because before that i'd been streaming just days and weeks in between each stream and i only did it because i was bugged a lot to do so um but right about the time i started to like it i actually started getting harassed by someone Uh, It was to the point where I had to involve the police because he was essentially doxing me and threatening me and and that sort of thing. It terrorized me for weeks, uh, and I finally had enough. So I came clean clean on stream with uh, what was going on in my life, and it was on my birthday during my first and only, (laughs) thank God, 24-hour stream. And the response was overwhelmingly positive. Um, I felt like I could make something positive out of this. So that was the turning point for me is just this is no longer just the thing that I did because other people wanted me to. I kind of had fun sort of thing. Um, I I actually listened to my community, which at the time I didn't even realize I had um, and decided that, you know, I would take streaming seriously from then on and really embrace this new medium as a platform to to do some good. And I didn't go full time. I just like, I don't think I ever see myself doing full-time streaming ever, but I did set out to make something out of my stream instead of just randomly starting up OBS and bullshitting a couple hours away and then, you know, never thinking about it again. Um, so some of the changes I made, um, I became less of a troll because that's kind of a requirement you have when you PvP. <laughs> I focused more on inclusion, uh, positivity, and... Uh, I said about actually having a streaming schedule, which was just crazy unheard of for me. I I just don't know what came over me, but it was like, I'm going to set a schedule. I am going to do this seriously. I'm going to have a platform. And <laughs> I, I even joined online support groups to help other people who were targeted and bullied online. And I, I basically just got involved and invested in more than just playing games. Um, playing games was sort of the the commonality that we had, but then we discussed so many other things on stream, and and that's what really turned me on to this pastime as something more serious. But at first, you were having trouble playing the games because everybody online was talking at you. Yeah, I had to make that switch, and on that bir- on my birthday, I stopped playing games long enough to tell them I'm like, okay, real talk, guys. We're going to talk about what's going on. Um, and from that response, I was like, oh, this is what streaming's about. <laughs> it's about that interaction. It's about the community. It's about communication. It's not about skills-based playing and just, you know, gamer gamer face drool down my chin. Um, <laughs> you know, that's not what the content is about. It's about you know, the community and, and how you interact with them. It's about the streamer, not the game. Um, so that that was just a huge turning point in so, so many ways. And I realized that that interaction with my audience, that's what mattered, not the game. And it was huge. It sounds like that real-time interaction is very important to you. Is that why you use Twitch instead of, say, recording videos to the later post to YouTube? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, YouTubers say that they have a community, but I feel like with Twitch, you really have a community because you're talking to them as opposed to reacting to them. Well, I mean, I guess they're the same thing, but like, you know, reacting to them days after the fact, whereas you're having a live conversation on Twitch. And I, I feel like that's just I mean, and I've started dabbling on YouTube myself in the past few weeks just to see, I just wanted to gain new skills of what to do with post-production and things like that and it's just a completely different world just completely different how so I don't find YouTube as being the community it's it's a lot more involved work um and you don't see the results of it right away it takes hours of work before you see results twitch is more instantly gratifying um, and you feel more connected. I feel more connected with my with my audience. Whatever I go live and people are saying hello, that right there is just instant. It's huge. Just there's a person there as opposed to I'm going to just send this content out into the ether. Who knows who's watching it? Who knows who's there? Like you don't even have usernames to refer to when you make content on YouTube. Whereas on Twitch, you can say hello. I don't know. Ginger. Hi, Silver Fox. Hi, you know, like and and have relationships with people 
One of the features that I've noticed seems to be optional on YouTube, but almost expected on Twitch, is having that face cam, that reaction shot, so that you can see the person playing the game. Mm-hmm. Do you find that that makes it harder, not from a technical perspective, but just from exposing yourself even that much more? Harder in what way? There is the technical aspect of having to set up the camera, but there's also like, you might be more concerned about how you look, or you might feel more vulnerable because people can see you, or maybe you don't feel very expressive in front of the camera, and there's just that much more pressure to mm-hmm. be performing. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I That, again, one of the many reasons I hated streaming to begin with is like, I constantly felt like I have to train my face a certain way. I had to put on makeup. I had to um, say the right things at the right time and uh, make sure that I react a certain way that made sense to what people are watching for. Uh, Obviously, that changed because that's really not what it's about. But there is that extra pressure. And and of course, the, the extra targeting of like oh what's wrong with her face or why is her hair like that you know like the the physical commentary they're they're definitely it's it's a lot harder and when you're on youtube you can just retake things you know you you can just be natural and say whatever you want and if it doesn't turn out right you can play it back and go oh i'm gonna redo that or just cut that out completely um twitch you know that you don't have that you're just out there you're exposed this is you raw and that's it. So definitely more pressure that way. And I, for one, actually enjoy that. You you thrive under pressure? I actually do thrive under pressure from a professional standpoint. Um, and that's carried over to streaming. I have some friends who play MMOs or FPSs or whatever, and they are hesitant to use the voice chat because once their teammates or opponents find out or can hear that they are women, they start receiving very different behavior from those other players. But with a video camera, you can't hide who you are. Does that affect your interactions in a positive or negative way? Um, Positive and negative. Mostly positive because I make sure my community is a certain... Uh, includes certain personalities. Like it's a very diverse and varied um, personality, you know, group. But um, I make sure that there's no hate speech or anything like that that happens in my chat. And anybody who does, my mods catch them instantly. And so mostly positive for me because I maintain very strict guidelines on my community. And it the positivity side of things is that they feel more connected to me because they can see me. Um, negative, negative side of things is, I mean, obviously I was a target for cyberbullying and harassment in the, in the past. And I still kind of get that from time to time, even like I get death threats from people I don't even know. And um, I, I don't get taken seriously as a gamer sometimes because they can see me. Um, I get underhanded compliments like, oh, finally a girl who's not showing her boobs for attention, which honestly is a terrible thing to hear, like despite how well-meaning they intended to sound. Um, I also get just straight up sexist remarks and hate speech. And that also goes for being Asian. Um, honestly, it, it just it doesn't bother me at all personally. I'm not saying it's right. But and and I will stand up to anyone who targets my community. But me, I it doesn't really bother me. I just I win by being the better person and living a happier life. But at some point, you do have to take these people seriously, because you never know how far they're going to take it. That's true. However, I found and I've learned that if you don't give them the, the attention that they're so craving, and they just get timed out, banned, or ignored, they disappear. You mentioned that you also have some help from your mods. How does that work? Who are they? Uh, my moderators are hand-selected by me and un- unanimously voted in by my other mods every single time. And they have the exact expectations that I have for my community imprinted into their brains. And uh, what I do actually is I have a delay set on my chat so that if if there is hate speech or a troll or whatever happening in my chat, I actually never see it because my mods are on the ball. Um, By the time it hits that delay for me to see it, it's gone. And so it doesn't impact me on what I do. Um, and you know, it doesn't kind of throw me for a loop that why would somebody say that? Or, you know, it it just doesn't affect me. I I just don't get exposed to it anymore because my mods are so on it. And I make sure that my mods are, um, they're at a, a standard 
before they're onboarded, because if they're not there as my first line of defense, then I'm in for a lot harder ride. So you have to sync up your schedules with them to make sure they're online at the same time you are? Uh, for some, not all of my mods do chat management. Some of them do community manage- management for me as well. Like, you know, I think any streamer worth their salt will tell you that streaming itself is like the easiest part of streaming. It's the in-between that's harder. The community management, the emails, God, the emails, um, the branding and, and, and whatnot. I also do um, contest giveaways. So every week I give away a game on Twitter. I have a mod that does all of that for me. I just give them the games. Um, I have Discord where my mods take care of that in between my streams. But yeah, there's always one or two mods that will be there for when I'm live streaming. Discord, that's similar to Slack, right? It it yeah, it's it's based a lot on Slack to me. And I love Slack a lot, but it's it's a voice program. Um voice and chat program, I guess. That's like Slack, but with a different purpose. Oh, so it's like a cross between Slack and Skype? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it looks like Slack, but it's meant more as a communication tool. Whereas I think Slack, I use it for collaboration more and projects. Gotcha. And you mentioned Twitter giveaways. Is there, I've seen different platforms and different apps that are out there to help you run those. How do you do it? Do you just say like, hey, everybody retweet me if you want a chance to win? Uh, Well, I do giveaways in three main different ways. I do Twitter, which um, someone just manages that account for me so yeah it's a separate account not from me because that that was what irritated the crap out of me originally so i have a separate account called clara gives and as long as you're following that account um every week there's a tweet that goes out and if you want to enter you can either like retweet or comment and if you do all three you get three entries because we literally just or my mod will just count up all the likes all the retweets and all the comments and that's the number that we that she randomly generates from, and then whoever is in that order wins. Um, it's very, very basic. Um, so we do that every week. I also do sub-only giveaways on my Discord server once a month, and those are for larger games. And now I'm doing weekly giveaways on stream using Revlo, Revlo Rewards, and that also includes Steel Series products because I'm partnered with them. Oh, excellent. I will we'll, I will look into that. I've been looking at how to do giveaways myself, and the only real platform I'd found was called Gleam.io. I haven't used it yet, so I'm happy to find some alternatives to investigate as well. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about scheduling as far as your mods go, but you also said that you have your own broadcast schedule, and that's something that is actually required to be a Twitch partner. You have to broadcast, what, at least three times a week? So I had, until, <laughs> I had no idea... You had to stream three times a week to be a partner. Oh, surprise. And, yeah, I, pff, I had no idea, but I... What, sorry, what was the exact question that you were asking? <laughs> well, the first part of the question was, the minimum is three times a week? Mm-hmm. The second part of the question is, how do you schedule your life around broadcasting three times a week? Oh, uh, well, I actually plan streaming around my life, not the other way around, because streaming's just a hobby for me. My work, my family, my life, they always come first. I would definitely feel less passionate about streaming if it became such an obligation that I need to schedule my life around it. Um, that's why I really never plan on making it my full-time job. Um, it, there are some extra struggles with it because I'm casual, though. I do struggle with the in-between. As I mentioned, Like, there's so much you have to do in-between streaming if you want to make it successful um, outside of just like myself, a hobby. And even as a hobby, if you're taking it seriously, you still have to do more. The branding, the social media, upgrades your hardware, any of the audience facing bits like your profile and things like that. Um, the emails, community management, general maintenance. Uh, and I also host monthly Twitch community meetups in Vancouver because I'm crazy and apparently I don't need to sleep ever. Um, you just basically become a project manager. I do it because I love it. And that's that's simply it. It's a passion project. Um, and I stream purely because I love to stream. So I, I schedule my stream around my life. But I, I am able to do that and continue on a regular basis just simply because I love it. If you schedule your stream around your life, is there still regularity? Like, can your viewers expect to find you online every Wednesday at 7 p.m.? Yeah, absolutely. Except, well, Wednesday is actually one of the days I don't stream. But <laughs> I do have a posted schedule. Uh, it's not necessarily I will start at this time. It's I will start after this time. Because, again, it's around my life. My life will be busy, guaranteed, up until a certain amount of time. 
um, in the day uh, up to a certain hour. And that means my job and my, you know, eating time, my hangout time, my family time. And then when I have that, I have free time slotted in my life in general, and I choose, I choose to fill it with streaming. So I have a set schedule Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, any game streams after 7.30 p.m. PST. Um, and then Saturdays, a very late short stream of just doing something creative. And so that's that's when they can expect me. And if I have any other changes, I will post it on Discord and I will tweet it out. So if I'm not feeling well or if I have a weekend away that I've got planned, I will let people know that way and update my stream sat- status. And every day that I do go live, I tweet an hour beforehand, always at least an hour beforehand that I'm going live in an hour or so. How many hours a week would you say you spend streaming? Ooh, um... 15? Somewhere between 15 and 20. And then when you take into account all the stuff that happens between the streams, would you say this is like a 25 to 30 hour a week thing? I think 20, 25 for me. Um, But if you're going full time, yeah, it it would be 40 plus. So this might not be your full time job, but it's certainly the equivalent of a part time job. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's fair to say that I'm a part time streamer. I don't like to consider myself that because, again, that kind of adds that obligation aspect to things. But it, it is a fair assessment to say I'm a part-time streamer. I know. It sounds like you have the opportunity, if you so desire, to go full-time. And for a lot of people, that would be a dream come true, to get paid for playing video games. This is true. Um, but that's also – it's kind of the same reason why I never got into gaming QA, um, game testing would make me hate video games. <laughs> Running to the same corner for eight hours straight until you find the one spot where you get stuck, that would destroy my love for video games. And I've just always had this thing where if I'm obligated to do something, I end up enjoying it less. Same thing with my job. I loved my job until it became my job. So I don't know if I could ever do that. I know I would be successful if I did it. If I made the transition and I actually put my full focus on it, that's almost enough for me, knowing that I could, but not really pursuing it in that way. I, I love the the idea that I'm doing this out of pure passion. So you're saying you don't like your job? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I love my job now. I just uh, started freelancing. I put my notice in, actually, for my government job that I was working just last week. And I'm freelancing. I've been freelancing with them for about a month now at Sandbox Strategies, and they are a gaming PR firm. And I I do influencer relations, which is content bringing content creators games to review, and and that is my dream come true. Um, it's interesting because I discovered in the past year that streaming itself, huge passion of mine, but not nearly as much as my interactions with the community of Twitch in general. That's why I do my monthly um, meetups in Vancouver for the Twitch community and indie dev community. That's why I go to every single indie dev booth at PAX and any other con that I go to and speak with them directly. And and it's why I got into influencer relations because it, I, I love all of the aspects to do with content creators and content creation. Um, even more than I love streaming. Congratulations on your new job. That's very exciting. Thank you. You've been with them for a month, and if I am asked, did they approach you? Did you approach them? Uh, I was approached at PAX West. Cool. And so if your job is influencer relations, aren't you also technically an influencer? I am, yeah. So it's a very unique position to be in. Um, I am a content creator, and I manage... uh, I'm sorry, I I hate the term influencer. (laughs) So I always call myself a content creator. Um, Influencer just sounds really, I don't know, a lot of hot (laughs) It sounds really fluffy. But yes, I am technically an influencer and I work in influencer relations. And it's a a fine line that I need to um, manage. And it's a challenge that I'm more than willing to take on. Yeah, because I can imagine that if your job is, say, to get a game in front of an influencer, then you could just say, oh, I'm going to play this game on my Twitch channel. Job accomplished. I'm so good at this. <laughs> Absolutely. And l- except that my channel isn't very big. <laughs> So we need to get it in front of the right gamers. And I can absolutely be one of those influencers that I put on the list. If I meet the criteria and I want to stream this game, I can. Absolutely. 
so it's it's a very unique position to be in, but it also allows me to feel more connected. And in fact, um, one of the questions, because I, I was interviewed for this, um, just to make sure that I did fit the role. And one of the questions was, uh, would you ever quit streaming for this job? And my answer was no, I think I would be less effective. I would maybe if, if required, I might reduce my hours because my job does always come first. Um, but I would never quit streaming for my job for this job because it would make me less effective. I feel connected with the community, with the content creator side of things. And it would that would break my ties and I would probably leave both before I left one. And was that a trick question when you gave that answer or was it, were they like, okay, you pass, good job? They actually gave me a big thumbs up for that, apparently, I found out afterwards. Well, I can see why. It's yeah. important to not only be true to yourself and what you enjoy because you'll a, more, a happy employee is an effective employee, but also they were basically asking you if you would give up the very thing that made you so well-suited for that job in the first place. That's exactly it. That's what, exactly what I felt. Well, it's good that you were aware of your strengths and willing to stand up for them. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Now, you said that they approached you at PAX West. You've been to a whole bunch of gaming conventions, PAX West, and you've also been to my hometown for PAX East, correct? Mm-hmm. Are you coming to PAX East 2017 in March of next year? I am. Excellent. Maybe we can cross paths. <laughs> yep. I've already secured my tickets and everything. Fantastic. Now, how do you register as a member of the press? Honestly, just as a regular, um, I was able to, because I was on the panel at PAX West, I was able to get a, what are they called? Speaker badge. A speaker badge, I guess. Yeah. So that was, and that was the only time that I've ever had something like that. And I made full use of that, but I just go <laughs> as a regular. <laughs> and because you said, in your opinion, that your channel is not very big. How big is it? It's, I think it's just, uh, it just hit 22,000. So it's not that big. Because I know I don't know what PAX media policy is for streamers or for Twitch, but I know if you want to get in as a member of the press and you have a YouTube channel, you need to have at least 50,000 subscribers. Well, see, the, <laughs> that alone tells me that I don't qualify. <laughs> but shouldn't Sandbox Strategy be able to get you a badge as an exhibitor? It's possible. It's possible. Um, I'm not sure if they go as an exhibitor or not. It's not something that I'm asking right now. But it's it's possible in the future. Um, they did mention that travel is potentially um, a requirement. And I know that the person that I report to, um, whose position I am eventually going to mirror, if all goes well, fingers crossed, because I am still freelancing right now. I don't want to talk too much about the future, um, that he gets sent on trips. So it's it's a possibility in the future, but we haven't gotten that far yet. Well, in the case of badges, it's not a big deal because, like you said, you already have your PAX East badge. But when they send you to a conference, if it's a conference you're already going to anyway, it's great to have somebody else pick up the bill for your travel and launching. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to complain about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> for example, you just went to your second ever TwitchCon, right? Yeah. Actually, I think it wasn't just your second ever. It wasn't it the second ever TwitchCon? It was the second ever, yeah. Wow. So what does that consist of? Just a lot of people sitting around staring into cameras? <laughs> no, it's it's both for broadcasters and viewers. And there are a lot of panels. There's panels every minute of the con, I think. But it's this year was a lot better than last year. It actually felt like a con. There were actual booths. I mean, there were booths before, but like actual booths. Um, the panels, which I didn't get a chance to go to, unfortunately, because I was um, hosting on the indie stage the entire weekend. But I've heard that those were a whole lot better. Um, it's 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 a lot of community. Like I say that word a lot when I when I talk about Twitch because it's true. It, it was it's the the venue was better. The people actually talked. The panels were interactive, I heard. Um, the booths were facilitated actual communication. They had kind of sections this time. So all the creative streamers had their creatives cor creative corner where they could all mingle and actually meet because they have their own sort of partnership contracts. They had the fundraiser or the charity section. So all the charity fundraisers got to hang out. And um, it's... It was really a gigantic community meetup and and having a lot of interest pieces to do with the thing that we all shared a commonality in. So it, it was great. What was it like to attend an event where people recognize you from your stream? I assume that happened. 
Uh, well, yeah, that's actually happened for the last two years um, since PAX after I got partnered. Actually, even the, the PAX before I got partnered, that is the reason I even got partnered because the people who recognized me as an unpartnered broadcaster at PAX Prime at the time um, encouraged the crap out of me to apply because I never, ever envisioned myself applying to be a partner of Twitch. And uh, it's it's very, very surreal. It's still surreal to this day. Um, it's becoming a little more natural in that I'm not making it awkward anymore. But in my mind, no matter how natural it seems outside, in my mind, I'm still like, holy crap, what is happening? You know, I'm just a regular person. Why is someone like sweating and not wanting to approach me? Why is why there was a girl crying because she wanted a hug from me? It was so surreal i had someone make a gigantic sign of one of my sub emotes with a red balloon over it just going everywhere at the first twitchcon last twitchcon just to promote me and say this is seriously clara's emote it's like it's crazy um what i find the most weird though is when people recognize me in my hometown in vancouver that's a little strange still to me i get recognized once a month thereabouts from someone different and it's that's still a little weird does that happen like at coffee shops or movie theaters uh not at movie theaters not at coffee shops just walking around on transit i take public transit i don't drive anymore that's usually where it happens and it's awkward because i'm stuck in that same position for a while you know <laughs> we're on the same train or you know we're walking in the same direction and they want to talk and i'm holding groceries so <laughs> it's a little strange but I thought interacting with your community was the best part of streaming. Ah, it is. But I'm a heavy, heavy introvert. And I might even go so far as to say that my introvertism, or whatever the word is, is a big driving force for why I stream. Because I control the conversations. I control who and when I respond. Um, and it, it's... It's uh, an environment where I have communication with someone who's not directly in front of me. Um, I'm looking at a screen with usernames. And while they are still people to me, it's less intimidating because they're not all staring at me. Um, so I used to have crippling social anxiety. And it's gotten better over the years because I even got into motivational speaking just to get over it. And it, it's worked over the years, but it still doesn't change the fact that I am a heavy, heavy introvert and I prefer to be left alone. I prefer my alone time and 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 uh, I can play the role of an extrovert very well. And like I said, people won't notice that I am freaking out in my mind or still going, what is happening right now? Because I play that role really well, but it drains me every single time. And so, yes, it's about the interaction, but it's a certain type of interaction that makes it feel safe. And when I'm meeting someone in person, Person and it's in my hometown, especially after having been harassed by someone who doxxed me, um, it, it's, there's that extra kind of reservation before I you know, open myself up in that manner. So all that being the case, why do you go to conventions where you can't avoid meeting people in person? That's on a public and common ground. So you're all there for the same reason. You're all there for gaming or broadcasting or whatever the con convention's about. Um, and and you're prepared for that. You're you're ready for that. That's an environment that facilitates that sort of interaction to happen. Um, so, for instance, even though I have social anxiety um, at TwitchCon, I hosted the indie stage all three days with um, Okadrian, and and it was broadcast the entire time. There was an audience live as well, um, but I I was prepared for that for weeks. They well, not for weeks, for days because Twitch is very last minute and everything they do, but. Um, there's a certain amount of mental preparation and emotional preparation that an introvert typically has to do because we draw our energies from within and not from without. Uh, and so because I was ready for it, I was ready to take it on. And it, again, it was in an environment that facilitates that sort of meeting. Do you feel that the gaming community expects people to be extroverts? Is being an introvert as a Twitch streamer or as a con attendee does it make it more challenging uh yes i i get that all the time as feedback is oh i wish i could meet you at pax but i it's too many people too fast and it's too loud and i have such crazy anxiety even in my twitch meetups in vancouver 
I get that all the time. It, like people are kind of hollow away in the corner and I have to draw them out really gently and say, you know, it's okay to talk to people and they don't want to. I leave them the hell alone. Um, but our, our little gaming society is still a ways away from being, from making that flip over to feeling accepted, you know, in, in a lot of ways. And no one feels that more than the introverts uh, in our community. At the PAXs you've gone to, have you used the AFK rooms? Uh, no, I haven't. I never get a chance to. <laughs> I actually just retreat to my hotel room, which is usually a few minutes away. I make sure that I book a hotel that is very close. It is worth the extra money because I need that recharge time. Yes, I can see how that would be convenient. The hotel rooms at PAX East that I've tried to get to often book up very quickly, the ones nearest mm -hmm. the con center. So for that reason, the AFK rooms or the away from keyboard rooms by the nonprofit organization Take This, which has been on this podcast there, such an invaluable resource where you can go in and it's not just a quiet room with coloring books, although if that's all you need, that's great. But they also <laughs> have clinical psychologists on hand to talk oh, with really? you. Oh, really? I did not know that. That's very cool. I'll definitely make sure that I mention that on stream next time someone mentions that they have anxiety. Oh, yes, please do. I saw a lot of Twitter testimonials from people who just got back last week from PAX Australia who had a much improved experience due to that resource being available to them. That's so cool. That's so cool. Uh, speaking of which, you are not just a Twitch streamer, but as you said, you make this a community for positivity and to focus on the good, and you are an advocate for mental health and body positivity, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. So how does that come across in a Twitch channel that is ostensibly about indie games? <laughs> well, the indie games is how the people come in and then they stay for hopefully other reasons as well besides just the game. Um, so in my stream, it's very apparent right away that I don't tolerate hate or shaming in any way. Um, that includes against themselves. So that's actually what comes across probably first because I don't get that many trolls, especially playing indie games. They like trolls like to go to where they get the most effect, right? And that's with the biggest communities and those are typically league streams and Call of Duty and things like that. Um but what I I think it comes across more frequently is when people hate on themselves, the self deprecation, um and and saying how you know all the things that they can't do and why not, why me, things like that. Um, so I don't put up with that. And I'm like, no, don't don't hate on yourself. And if you're going to do that, don't do it here, because I don't want to hear that sort of hate speech. I don't want to hear that sort of shaming in my chat. And you are just as important as anybody else here. And I don't want to hear anything less than that about you. Um, sometimes I go on rants about how acceptance and openness and positivity can change the world or uh, at the very least each other especially in my community. We support each other uh, at all times, unless it's, like I said, we don't obviously support hate speech. So we support being accepted and, and that includes by yourself. Uh, I also only choose mods who embrace my vision and they maintain my chat accordingly. Um, on Twitter, even I have um, body positivity days for women, not because I don't feel like men deserve or you know the attention to for their issues i just have limited time to dedicate to things like this and i'm just kind of partial to the women's um but I, i'm very very much an advocate for uh accepting yourself and needing no validation other than from yourself can you share with us some specific experiences or encounters you've had on that topic in your twitch streams stuff that really stuck out and left an impression um when people talk about bullying, it really affects me quite a bit. And sometimes that's that's a topic that comes up frequently, um, partially because of the kind of revolving door of when people come in and out of your chat. They can't always stay for the hours that you're streaming. Um, and, and so they catch this at this topic at, at odd times. But bullying is is a huge topic that comes up from time to time, even from my mods when when we kind of do some sharing and it it just all comes organically i don't pause the game my my channel is still about the game primarily but these other things do come up and i keep it an open channel for that um but sometimes people share and and i bring up a topic that is very near and dear to me like i said bullying is a really big example and people start sharing um about what it's done to them the effects that it still has on them the the reason that they can't go out and socialize because of bullying. And, and I talk about my experiences, both being bullied and as a bully, I actually grew up as a bully. 
and and what it means to be one, what it means to be bullied, how to overcome it, how long it takes, which could last a lifetime, and and what supports are out there, and that they should feel safe in my community. So th- that's just one example of many that I could bring up, and I don't want to talk too much about it right now because I might start crying. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, we can we can talk about no, something it's okay. else. It's okay. I just I'm just very passionate about people um, feeling equal and 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 accepting themselves and ex- accepting each other. Well, speaking of which, I thought I read somewhere that Owl Boy is actually a good example of what it means to live with a disability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the your main character is mute. Oh, now see, having not played the game, I did not know that. Yeah, it's right at the beginning, so it's not a spoiler or anything like that. <laughs> Does that play a role in how you choose to play your games? Do you seek out social justice games in any way? No, mm, not really. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm mildly ashamed to say this, but I do seek out games with a very unique artistic styles. Um, first and foremost, I love games that are either like very detailed in, in pixel graphics or low poly styles or things like that. So I like games that are, are striking to look at because that's mostly what I get out of it when I'm streaming. When I'm off stream, I will play a game for gameplay 100% of the time. Um, But on stream, because it's less about the game in terms of my attention, Um, my attention is half split between the game and and the the chat. The the visuals are actually what I get to experience the most, and I, I take notice the most out of a game. And then, absolutely, yeah, I do look at, if there's a game recently called Rogue, wizards i think that has a plot supposedly rooted in equality so i definitely made sure that i streamed that um i yeah it it does play it does play a role i wouldn't say a major role but it does help boost it up in my to-do list on stream all other things being equal if you had a choice to play as if you had a choice to play a game that featured let's say a queer biracial woman or a old scruffy white dude you'd probably choose the woman. Yes. Makes sense to me. But sometimes you do let your community choose which games you're going to play, right? Not anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I did in the past. Uh, that that changed ages ago because I played Bad Rats. And now I run a gaming dictatorship on my channel. <laughs> what is Bad Rats? Bad Rats is a terrible, terrible game. And you should never play it. <laughs> I don't even remember... You, I can't remember if you play a rat that killed cats through horrible traps in like somewhat physics-based puzzles. I think it, I played an hour of that, and that was like, okay, well, this is never happening again. Nay, 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 sir. <laughs> I am now choosing the games that I play. Wow. So I was going to ask you if letting your fans choose your games has ever come back to bite you. I guess it has. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I've let it go sometimes um, for sub-appreciation days and things like that. I used to let them pick whatever game I play on Saturdays. Um, And of course, they would always pick uh, multiplayer games, which I actually generally stay away from because of the introverted thing. The the direct feedback right away is it kind of takes away from one of the big reasons why I stream in that it's my little comfort zone. I'm in my comfortable clothes and my comfortable home and in my comfortable rate of communication. <laughs> so um, I took that away as well. But I could see how you could compromise. For example, if you gave them a list of 10 games, all of which you want to play, and you let them mm-hmm. vote on which one you played next. Definitely, yeah. I still do that from time to time. I will control which options they're given, and then they will vote. So that yeah, that's absolutely true. But I always end up, I typically end up playing all of the games anyway. It's really just an order that they pick. And with the exception of Skies of Arcadia, it sounds like all the games you've mentioned in the last hour that we've been chatting have all been PC games. Is that correct? Yeah. So you don't do console, Xbox, PlayStation, Wii? I used to, um, but I find that the the games that are on those, uh, maybe Xbox, the marketplace has more indie games, the Xbox Ad ID, I think. Um, but Nintendo is very, very first party focused. Um, that's actually why I think that they're at a downfall because their first party games do way better than the third party games. Um, but, and PlayStation just doesn't have that many exclusive for me. And most of them are quite triple A-ish. Um, so I did used to play console games, but it just isn't worth the hassle anymore when most of the indie games are on PC. 
and it's just so much easier. I mean, I can plug a controller into the into my computer, and it's basically this equivalent of playing on a console. Whereas playing on an actual console, I need to fire up my um, capture program and make sure that all the cables are there. Are cables everywhere in my room. <laughs> I hear that. And there's there's that that lag, and it, it's just not worth it to me anymore. I stick with PC just out of convenience. So with the PC, you basically just have a webcam, a microphone, and you said you you record using orbs? Yep, OBS. Oh, sorry, OBS. Uh, being a Mac guy, I, I think actually OBS exists for the Mac, but I tend to use other programs. I just haven't made myself very familiar with that one yet. Uh, I should probably check it out, though, because the programs I've been using, like Snaps Pro X or ScreenFlow, they bo- they work, but they just eat up so much hard drive space. Mm-hmm. OBS takes... I don't find it taking up very much. Um, it's it's quite small. OBS, if you go OBS, make sure you do OBS Studio, not OBS Classic. It's like night and day. Is that a free program? They're both free, yep. Wow. So why would they have two free programs where one sucks and the other doesn't? I have no idea. I think they might... Well, OBS Studio came after OBS Classic, and people just haven't made the switch. Gotcha. Which just boggles my mind. Okay. <laughs> so that's what I would do if I wanted to do more computer gaming as opposed to the console gaming I do now. Oh, you can still you can still do console gaming in OBS. It's just a standard capture program. Oh, but again, you'll probably have a lot more cables running. Yeah, and you need extra hardware to capture it. Awesome. What about if I want to make the jump not from console to PC, but from YouTube to Twitch? I have a YouTube channel with almost 80,000 subscribers. Most of them were just drive-bys who liked one video and will never come back. So I don't really feel like I have a huge community. What if I want to switch from recording Let's Plays that go up later to live streaming on Twitch? What sort of changes would I need to make? Would I have to be playing different games? I mean, obviously, I'd have to have a camera set up and I'd be in front of it. Should I like set up a home studio with a green screen? What would be necessary for me to make that switch? Uh, really, there are no entry requirements, I don't think. Um, they're mostly kind of high-level fluffy things, which I don't know it probably doesn't sound like it's very helpful, but it really does make the difference. Is uh, Well, one of them, obviously, and this happens with um, YouTube as well, have fun. Um, but drop that pretense of needing to be perfect on delivery every time. Um, so just have fun, put on a good show. I think it's, that's kind of the difference is that you're putting on a show, a live show, um, be yourself, or you can put on a persona. You, you can honestly do either one. Like some, a lot of people say, just be yourself, but you know what? Sometimes, sometimes putting on that persona is that little extra bit that, is more entertaining. And as long as you're having fun with it, um, your audience won't, won't feel like it's anything different, right? They just need to know that you're, you're enjoying what you're doing because they can always tell when you're not. Um, you you can take the experience. If you're going from YouTube to Twitch, you can take your experience of creating polished content on YouTube and make a polished live show. And that would set you, uh, apart from a lot of the other startup streamers where it's just, a very basic cam or a notebook even, or, you know, like they have the basic hardware and they don't have any idea of what production really means. Take that polished production um, experience that you have and move that to Twitch in your stream as well. Have a decent overlay, um, make sure your your audio and everything sounds good. Your camera is nice and crisp. You can have a green screen or not. That's honestly, I found a 50-50 for streamers. It's just personal preference. And unless you're going to be like a speedrunner or like a strictly competitive gamer, be ready to spend more on air time on the entertainment aspect and engaging with your community than you do actually on the game that you're playing. Um, because that's what's going to get them coming back. Wow, that is awesome. Wonderful advice. Thank you. You said it doesn't hurt to have a bit of a persona that you manufacture for the audience. Do you have one? I personally don't. Um, I think that I would do better, honestly, if I did, Um, because a persona would make me a little louder, a little more animated, and a little more uh, entertaining to watch. But that's not my preference. My personal preference is to just be me and make it easy, casual, and natural. Uh, That's part of the whole passion project thing. Um, But if I were to go full-time, I would absolutely, for me personally, because I know I'm a pretty dull person, (laughs) honestly, I'm a pretty dull person to to listen to regularly. But if I went full-time, I would adopt a a persona that is larger than what I naturally am to garner more viewers. 
and keep them. It sounds like that would be exhausting. It can be. It absolutely can be. Um, but you you kind of it becomes second nature over time. Like when I first started streaming, like I said, I hated it because it is exhausting. It was exhausting. I've kind of put myself too much out there. Eventually, you learn it to piece it out little by little, and and um, it becomes a part of you. That second persona, like Future Man Gaming, is a really good one. Retro Guy Jin. Um, there's so many people who are very successful with this extra persona and you can go as deep into it as you like, or just have it kind of on the surface. And then once you get into the game, it's, it's kind of done. I think future man kind of does that. He has that whole, the, in the future sort of thing. Um, and then when he's actually in the game, he's, he's mostly himself, right. But just with a, a slightly more exaggerated personality, that's, that's really all I'm talking about right now. I don't, I don't even do that. So I know that if I wanted to be more successful, that's something that I would have to do. Wow. And now that you've finished Owlboy, which games are you going to work on next? I have a long freaking list of games. I, I have a thousand, almost a thousand steam games. alone. <laughs> um, I honestly, you know what, that's the next thing I'm going to do right after this call is find out what I'm playing tonight. I, I don't know. I have just such a long, long list of games. And I'm trying to stick with games that are out a little more recently just because they probably need the most love. But it could be an older game. I don't know. It's really what my mood strikes me as. Some days I feel like doing an action game. Sometimes, some days I feel like doing voice acting <laughs> and just reading a lot of text. So it, I, I'll see how I feel after this call. And for those who want to tune in and find out what game you are playing next, where can they find you online? Uh, Twitter is the best place to find me. Uh, Siri, seriously, Clara. I can never say my own name right. It's the ESL in me. Seriously, Clara um, at Twitter. And uh, that's that's mostly where you can find me. That I'm active on Twitter all the time. And I tweet out, like I said, an hour ahead of time before I stream every single time. And, uh, and of course, at twitch.tv slash seriously, Clara. And one last question. Why are you seriously, Clara? <laughs> I have no good backstory to that. Um, I find my usual name was taken already <laughs> on Twitch, but, um, what I adopted shortly after that was that I'm only serious about being me. A lot of people always make that joke. Seriously, seriously. Why are you so serious? But it's not serious, Clara. It's seriously, Clara. I'm only serious about being me. Don't take me seriously in any other aspect. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, there will be links to all those things in the show notes at polygamer.net. Clara, thank you so much for your time. This has been a true pleasure. Thank you so much for, for this call. It's been amazing. This has been Polygamer, a GameBits production. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback at polygamer.net.